Hello everyone, this is Stephen Strang and welcome to the God Trump 2020 podcast. The podcast where we are counting down the days, only 10 days from today, uh, Friday, October 23rd, until the most important election of our lifetime. And today I have the privilege of interviewing Eric Metaxas, who has been waxing eloquent about the election, and I thought it'd be great to get a podcast with him. And we've decided to uh, videotape this, and we'll put it on our charismanews.com uh, website, and you'll want to check it out there as well. But first of all, welcome to you, Eric. I always appreciate being on your show when I'm coming through New York, pushing some new book. And uh, I've had you on my program a couple of times, especially when you would come out with some of these funny children's books. So first of all, welcome. And then before we get into the election, let's talk about your latest book about Donald. Well, first of all, th thank you, Stephen. I, I've written a lot of humor over the years. A lot of people don't know uh, that I've written for VeggieTales. Uh, I, when I was at college at Yale, I was the editor of the humor magazine. I've just written a lot of humor. And I often think that our side, Christians and conservatives, don't use enough humor. The left uses humor to mock and to make their points. And I think that it's important to use humor. Now, the problem with humor is it has to actually be funny. That's the key. If it's really funny, it works. It's Yeah. So, uh, but I've written three books uh, on based on a character, I think he's behind me, called Donald the Caveman. And one of them is called Donald Drains the Swamp. Then we did a sequel, Donald Builds the Wall. And then the new one is called Donald and the Fake News. And I just have to say that all of them are, they're perfectly appropriate as kids' books. They look like kids' books, but adults will probably, uh, well, adults will certainly get the political humor. There's a lot of political humor. You remember watching Bugs Bunny cartoons as kids and you found it, you thought it was great, but but when you got older, you got some of the jokes, you know, that kind of, uh, so we've got some characters in there in the swamp. The biggest swamp creature of all is a gigantic, scary dinosaur called the George Osaurus. That kind of dumb humor. You know, there's a gang uh, in the book, uh, Donald Builds the Wall, a vicious gang called MSNBC 13, covered with tattoos, vicious people. So there's a lot of that kind of humor. And there's a lot of characters that you will recognize visually when you have the book in your hand. Uh, people that you'll know from from public life. Crying Chuck Schumer makes an appearance as a weeping, uh, bespectacled dinosaur. Uh, it's it's a lot of it's a lot of funny stuff. The new book, Donald and the Fake News, has there's an AOC figure, there's a Bernie Sanders figure, but uh, there's a the the leader of the resistance. The resistance goes into this cave to kind of plot and plan how they can take down the president. And the leader of the resistance is is a woman named Madam Miss Speaker, and Madam Miss Speaker holds a gavel, and she's very angry. It's 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 just crazy, crazy. Does she rip up uh, speeches? At State yes, Union? actually, funny. You should predict <laughs> the humor. You could see it coming at the end of it. She rips up a little thing I like to call the United States Constitution. Uh, she tears it up and dances off a cliff because she's so upset that the president has been reelected, which I, I think he will be if every Christian votes. But you know what? Not every Christian votes. A lot of Christians have funky theology and they seem to think that they don't need to do that. That breaks my heart because it's wrong, number one. And number two is because it hurts people. If you don't vote your biblical values, I don't care 
you know, who you're voting for. You're not voting for a person. You're voting for an administration. You're voting for the future. You're voting for policies. What is at stake in this election, unfortunately, is so huge that if Christians sit on their hands and do not go to the voting booth, we deserve what we're going to get. And I think a lot of people haven't suffered enough. They haven't seen real persecution. If you see real persecution, you don't will that on your family, on your kids, on your neighbors. Uh, and there's been persecution of Christians around the world. What's coming in this country, if Christians don't participate, it's going to harm a lot of people and it's going to affect the rest of the world. So uh, I am, I've gotten very, very uh, vocal about my support for this president. Uh, and again, not necessarily because I support the president, although I do, but because uh, he represents an administration and a set of policies that if we don't get them, the alternative is horrifying and will spell the end of America as we know it. And that's unfortunately not an exaggeration. Well, I agree with you. And of course, I make some of those same points in the various books that I've written. It's really why I wrote the books. But I want to talk a little bit about the Christian people. Uh, you know, we use the word evangelical. It's hard to know exactly who to include or not include in that list. But in, in 2016, the pollster said that 81 percent of evangelicals voted for Donald Trump for all the reasons we're talking about. And we could go into a lot of detail. But there have always been kind of liberal uh, evangelicals. I served on the board of World Relief for four years. And, you know, most of the people on that board fell in that category. There's even some Christian media that are very liberal. But and I used to be a Democrat. I was a Democrat until the early 90s. And but and there's a lot about the Republican. I don't like Republican Party. I don't like Mitt Romney comes to mind. Well, listen, uh, there's, there's um, we're dealing with human institutions filled with human people. And that's just the way that's always been the way it is. I, I think a lot of Christians make the mistake. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of mistakes we can make, and I've made half of them where you you seem to think that it's all about the character of the person. Now, the character of the person is hugely important, but character is a complicated thing. How I vote, what I advocate for, for whom I advocate is part of my character. So, you know, if you have somebody who's doing a lot of sleeping around, but he's against slavery and the other guy is pro-slavery, you have to weigh that, right? I think we have a president right now. First of all, I don't think he's the man that he was 15 years ago. Uh, I spoke to someone who knows him personally, who told the story of how when Barron was born, both Melania and the president who had been pro-choice dramatically changed their views. There was something about the birth of that child that dramatically changed their views. And we've never seen a president as pro-life as this president. What can account for that? Well, people changed their minds. Um, I think there's a lot about this president that has been magnificent. And I think part of the reason that I have been a defender of his more vocally recently is because I've never seen a media and a press attack anyone so unfairly. It is really is horrifying to me to watch it. I think of all the good people out there who don't have time to look into the details and they're just taking in the news and they, they uh, are going to believe half of this stuff, if not most of it. It's really unconscionable that the press has abdicated its role in America and that the media is all in uh, to take him down. And I think that reason alone would give you a hint uh, that you're not getting the whole story when they're being that biased. Well, I 
agree with you, but getting back to the thing about sort of never Trumpers who are evangelicals or now I get things on my email all the time from believers for Biden to try to make it sound like, you know, people are voting for him because he's good and kind and honest. Now, uh, you know, that brings up Hunter Biden's laptop, which we can talk about in a minute. But how do you think people rationalize this? And they always criticize his tweets, but I'd like to know which ones are worse than Hunter Biden's laptop, etc. Stephen, there's no, we, you know, and I know we're both spirit filled, born again, you know, moving in the gifts kind of Christians. We understand we're behind enemy lines and that human beings are capable of every illogical and wicked thing. You only have to look back uh, you don't have to look back very far to see examples of that, what happened in Germany uh, in the 30s and the 40s. Human beings do terribly illogical things. Years later, they think, what was I thinking? I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't know. There are many things that Americans don't know right now, and they can just be bamboozled into thinking that Biden's a nice guy. Biden is, listen, he may be a nice guy, but then you have to define what does that even mean? Um, if you are advocating for policies that are going to rip children out of their mother's wombs. I don't see how you get to be in the nice guy category. He's been a staunch supporter of abortion on demand. And then worse than that, he claims to be a practicing Christian. He claims to be a practicing Catholic Christian. Catholics have been the strongest in in standing against abortion so they were standing for uh, against abortion before the evangelicals that's the point figured out what was going on that's exactly the point and so the fact that he is bamboozling people into thinking that he's some kind of a serious catholic it's utter nonsense his policies are dramatically uh anti-catholic and and i think that there's so many other things about his policies that will harm people so we have to think, do I care about people? Do I care about, do I only care about myself or do I care about other people in America? If you care about the urban poor in America, you care about blacks, you can, at this point, knowing what we know, you can never vote for a Democrat because the Democrats have given lip service to helping minorities for five decades. And the evidence is now in such that many black Americans are saying, yeah, I, I do not see evidence. I've heard a lot of stuff over the years. It seems to me that their policies have devastated inner cities. Crime has gone up. Uh, opportunities have gone down. The families have been devastated by these policies. The communities have been devastated by these policies. How in the world in this day and age, if you care about the urban poor, could you elect a Democrat? And, and the Democrats are doubling down on their socialist big government policies. They don't ever want to talk about morality or family or any of the stuff that we know is at the heart of uh, these difficulties that uh, these communities have been having. having, They don't want to even talk about it. So I think that uh, we just have to be honest and say, it's not like, oh, well, what do you like, vanilla or chocolate? We're talking about- Well, actually, they asked Biden you. this week on his milkshakes, remember? <laughs> that very that, question. One that, of the that's, more yeah, those important the questions, questions that he's answered. I, to me, it's, it, we're, we're at a point now, you know, if you want to talk about Mondale or, or uh, Reagan, I mean, look, I still think it was a clear choice, but you can understand people would say, well, I don't think a Mondale presidency would- 
would lead to the end of America. It might be a step in the wrong direction. I believe that a Biden presidency, first of all, I think it would be a Kamala Harris presidency. I don't think that Biden is going to be strong enough to stand up to the people around him. He's already conceded to the most radical views. He's already conceded uh, Beta O'Rourke is going to be his gun czar. Okay, so there, thank you very much. That's the end of the Second Amendment. Once you take away the Second Amendment, you really take away the First Amendment because how can I protect myself if the government wants to use force to compel speech or it wants to use force to tell me to shut up? We will no longer be a free country. AOC and Bernie Sanders uh, have written this manifesto, or Bernie has with the president. Uh, he is in for the Green New Deal. He is in for all this stuff. He'll say anything he does needs to say to get elected. And when he's elected, he won't have the ability to stand against them. They will pack the courts. They're not going to. They're not going to put up with a Supreme Court that they perceive is against what they want to do. So if they can legally figure out a way to pack the court and to increase the number of justices, why wouldn't they do it? They have done worse already. So I'm really afraid that people don't understand the stakes in this election. And I, I, you know, I'm not shy about saying it. My country's at stake. And when I say my country, it's not just my country. It's, it's freedom-loving people around the world are looking to this nation to be a city on a hill. They're looking to us. If we let the torch drop and fall into New York Harbor, uh, you know, I don't see who's going to step in except maybe China. Boy, I agree with you. And I was just thinking that I wish I'd had this interview before I wrote my book. I would have quoted a lot of the great things you were saying, but I want to shift gears and talk about the fake news, you know, kind of getting back to your book, which is humorous. But let's talk about the fake news, especially the big tech censorship and not, not only a big tech, but, you know, the, a lot of the mainstream media uh, have not even reported or, or minimally reported what happened uh, when they found all kinds of emails and text messages on the laptop of Hunter Biden, many of which seemed to implicate Joe Biden, who said he had, you know, he had no knowledge of what his son did, number one. And number two, Hunter Biden is telling his own sibling that he had to kick back 50% to pop. I mean, this stuff is so incriminating. It's almost like finding the murder uh, weapon in somebody's car. Well, you know, I mean, look, what else do you need? What do you think? But, but this is the whole point. If you ever needed evidence that big tech uh, is not unbiased, they are using all of their power. They have a scary amount of power. I don't think the founders ever foresaw anything like this. It would be impossible to foresee that uh, a, a small number of companies could accrue this level of power. It's not just money. It's power in the culture. And the fact that they are in the tank for Joe Biden is a frightening thing. And if you care about America, the future of America for our kids and grandkids, you need to, to vote for a president who has the ability to deal with this. If you vote for the guy who's basically in bed with this, the guy that they have protected from the facts and from the evidence, um, you know, we're gonna see the dismantling of what we've had for a long time. This is a great country. We're a country that has shared our freedom and our wealth and our treasure with the world. Uh, we have cared about freedom around the world. We care about the idea of freedom and these principles. All of that goes away. And so when you have a media 
uh, and big tech complicit in hiding facts and in simply not covering what by any standards is a blockbuster of a story. I mean, if you can implicate a potential president in colluding, this is actual collusion with China or participating or be or opening the door to colluding with China, every single thing that they accuse Trump of, which we now know never happened, they have themselves done. This is the tip of the iceberg. This is the way they've operated forever. We know the Clintons did it. Thankfully, she's not on the ticket that we know of. And I got to say that uh, the fact that the media is looking the other way right now and doing what they can to run out the clock to say, oh, it's a smear. It's a this, it's a that. Um, it, it's very ugly, Stephen. And and if you're, uh, you, you don't need to be a Christian to see that this is just fundamentally wrong. It doesn't smell right. And I, I, I pray to the Lord and my wife and I are praying that the people of America will stand against this in the voting booth because there is so much at stake. People around the world are looking to this country. There needs to be a country that stands up for freedom and for justice and for all the things that we have stood for imperfectly, but we've stood nonetheless. And so I, I can never stress how important it is for Christians to vote. Well, I agree with you. Uh, today, I had lunch with a friend who was telling me that over the weekend, he got together with some of his relatives who are just dyed-in-the-wool Biden people. They just hate Trump. Trump's a racist. Trump's a this. And yeah. I said, and, and he was arguing with them, saying a lot of the kinds of things that you're saying. I said, did you change any minds? And he said, no. And, you know, that's what I, I this is so blatant to me that it's not kind of gray. It's black or white. Why can't people see it? Even liberals don't want their their businesses uh, firebombed by the looters and all that kind of stuff. Even the liberals don't want some, uh, you know, liberal would be more in the middle. We're talking about the far left. But I would think that even a lot of these people, even if they don't like Trump, they could see how serious it will be if we elect uh, Joe Biden. I mean, now we know that they're a crime family. Rudy Giuliani can compared him to the mafia. I, well, you listen, know. you don't you don't need to, to agree with Rudy Giuliani to understand that Joe Biden is a career politician. If you are in the Senate for decades and then you become vice president, that level of power was never something the founders wanted to see. They said you're supposed to serve and then get out. The idea that he has been part of the system, that he's played the game, that he has gotten wealthy, that his family has gotten wealthy, this is the definition of corruption. It's the definition of how a great country goes down the path toward Venezuela. And that alone is a reason not to vote for him. But I also think his inability to stand against the woke leftist cancel culture fringe in his party, uh, even Bill Clinton had his famous sister soldier moment where he says, I'm not, I'm not over there. I'm a moderate. I'm over here. Biden doesn't have the strength to do that. He never, he never has. He'll say whatever he needs to say. And I think we are in a, a spiritual battle. You know that. And I know that we're in a spiritual battle right now. And this battle belongs to the Lord. What we can do, we must do voting, uh, and, and, and doing anything else we can do, but praying and fasting. We know the Lord hears our prayers. We know he takes our prayers seriously. He loves us. Believers need to pray because so much is at stake, 
not just in this country, but around the world. Uh, when I wrote my Bonhoeffer book, I knew I was writing something prophetic. I could feel it. And 10 years later, I just, in my hands, I have, this is the 10th anniversary edition of the book. And I can't believe how timely it's become. We, we have a church, a, a woke uh, left evangelical church. Many pastors out there are unwilling uh, to say what's what. They don't seem to be willing to say that Black Lives Matter is a Marxist, God-hating, America-hating organization. They are lying about caring about Black lives. They are a Marxist organization. They use the death of George Floyd. We've got churches all over America with uh, Black Lives Matter banners out there as if those churches ever believed black lives didn't matter but now you sort of have to put it up there so you don't get looted when the time comes we're living in an ugly time if the church doesn't stand up and that's the point of the bonhoeffer book the whole culture goes down so it is up to the church now to stand up the church is god is looking to his church and we just have to stand strong and we have to pray hard and the battle belongs to him amen and you mentioned praying you know, I don't do this very often on podcasts, but today I just feel that we should wrap up this uh, podcast with you praying. Pray however you feel led by the Holy Spirit. But before you start praying, tell everybody again uh, your books. You mentioned Bonhoeffer. You did not mention the one on Martin Luther, which is one of the best well, books I've, I've, I've read. I've written a lot of books. People can either go to Amazon.com and find them there. Another place you can probably get most of them at even better prices is Socrates in the city.com. I've done a lot of uh, interviews uh, uh, as part of the Socrates in the City series. So if you go to Socrates in the city.com, you can get a lot of books, including the Bonhoeffer book I just uh, lifted up here at better prices. You can get them signed and, and, and all of that kind of stuff. So Socrates in the city.com is probably the best place. But I've, yeah, I've written a lot of books. I wrote a book about America called If You Can Keep It, which I wish I could give free to every American because it it explains a lot of what we've been touching on here. And then the humor books, I really believe, Stephen, we need to laugh. We need to celebrate what we know is true, make fun of the other side so we don't go crazy because we know how crazy it is on the other side. We've got to laugh. So the Donald the Caveman books, uh, I, I've written them. Mike uh, Lindell has had them on his new website, mystore.com. I don't know if he's got them up there now. I think they just sold out. But I, I do hope people buy my books. That's why I wrote them. I want to spread these ideas and spread these messages. So thanks for uh, for saying that. And I should tell people also, if you go to my website, ericmetaxas.com, I always tell all my friends and relatives, please sign up for the newsletter because all the interviews I do every week with amazing people, uh, they're all teed up there in the newsletter once a week. You don't have to go looking for them. But I've interviewed some really major figures in the last couple of weeks. And if you just go to my own website, just my name, ericmetaxas.com, you know, I'm all over social media, but that's the that's the central uh, location. So thank you for, for asking me to, and, to say those things. And why don't you also tell people about your radio program and your weekly program on TVN? Yeah, I... Uh, I have a, a daily radio slash TV program. We are on YouTube uh, on the Eric Metaxas Show channel, uh, and it's on radio stations all across the country on Salem Radio Network. And our friends at TBN take about a half an hour of my, my YouTube show, and they put it on TBN every weekend, twice on Friday and on Sunday. There's a lot more content, but if you watch TBN, you'll see that content 
uh, there. The radio show, it's not an officially Christian show. I interview tons of believers. Uh, I interview tons of people in politics, but I like to talk about everything. I like to talk about history. I say it's the show about everything because I'm, I'm trying to draw people in who are not of our ilk. You know, uh, I have people on talking about miracles and healings and deliverance and prophecy because I know there are many Christians listening who don't believe in any of that stuff. And I want to get them educated. So it's the show about everything. I hope people can uh, find, you can find it on YouTube under the Eric Metaxas show. And I ask people to, to subscribe and to please share the videos with their friends because uh, some of the guests I've had, had on are really amazing and I just want them to get their, uh, their messages out. So thanks for asking about that. And your radio show is great and there's nothing wrong talking about all that kind of stuff. And I love how you uh, put in rock and roll music in between the breaks. I, uh, I love, listen, we're, we're around the same age. I use a lot of, uh, you know, 70s tunage, a lot of, <laughs> a lot of music that just makes me happy. Maybe that's um, why I like it so much. You can, well, that's, uh, listen, that's my secret. That's my secret goal. And I do, uh, yeah, I think, I think it's important. I think it's important to have fun. And so I have a lot of fun. I didn't mention it because we're talking about some really serious subjects, but you know, the Donald, the caveman books, obviously those are humor, but I, I, I use a lot of humor in the radio program uh, sometimes depending on, you know, the subject, because I think it's really important for us to have joy uh, and to, to, to share our faith with joy and to, to laugh. Uh, that's a big part of, I think, uh, showing the love of Jesus is having some joy. So I try uh, to have that uh, in my life because I really do think it points to the source of joy that whom we worship. Well, at the Strang House, we watch your show on TBN and I've actually interviewed a couple of the guests who I first saw on your program. You know, I reached out to them, of course, and I think the TBN show is worth watching just to see the cartoon opening, which I assume you. is you going to work on a yeah. skateboard through New yeah. York City or something like that. Yeah, no, it's totally loony. TBN has been amazing. You know, I love them and uh, they've, they've been absolutely amazing. And as I say, if you like that, you go to the YouTube channel, the Eric Metaxas Show, there's tons more. TBN, you know, they've got so many programs, they can only do a half an hour uh, a week, but I've got, you know, five hours a week of, of all kinds of guests that they don't get to put on TBN sometimes. So I just want to encourage people to, to check it out. I I can't get over some of the folks that I have had uh, uh, on the show. It's just been, it's been amazing, frankly. Well, as we wrap up this podcast, first of all, I want to thank you, but then I'd like you to pray. And with the end of your prayer, we'll end the podcast. All right, Lord Jesus, we love you and we praise you. And we thank you, Lord, for all of the gifts and blessings that you showered on us, Lord, some of which we know and some of which we are ignorant of. Lord, help us to be grateful for every good thing that you have given us to be aware of it. We praise you, Lord, for this nation that you have used so powerfully in history. And we pray, Father, that you would not allow us to slip into the dustbin of history, Lord, but that you would give us revival and awakening and reformation, and that we would rediscover our roots of faith so that the freedoms that spring from that faith would grow and grow and grow, and that we could share them with the rest of the world, that the rest of the world could partake, 
partake in our economic freedoms and see opportunity and job growth and wealth growth, and that they would experience religious liberty, that they could worship as they please or not, or however they want to have true freedom of conscience and freedom of religion. Father God, these are things that you have ordained. You have spoken them into history by your grace and in your wisdom through this nation. We ask you for your blessing on these things. And Father God, we pray that we would see signs and wonders, that we would see miracles and signs of your presence among us, that people would be saved, would come to know you and love you and serve you with the days you've given them on this earth. We ask for revival in this nation in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.